continue on last week's message, which is uh, uh, the prophets part two, a place for the prophets. And this year, our theme's been the supernatural, and I'm really excited about the um, uh, the theme for next year. And I shared it with the uh, the ministry team the other night, and one of the team, it was Pastor Michael, said um, he's God's been speaking to him about the same thing. So I think that's really exciting when you start getting the confirmations of where God's leading um, from two or three witnesses. So I'm excited about what we're going to enter into next year. I want to encourage you over the next few uh, weeks and the next uh, um, season, begin to prepare yourself for what God wants to do in you next. So sometimes we think it's all about them over there, but uh, what God really wants us to enter into is for you, is for us together. So... If you have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. We'll look at that in a second. But uh, picking up from where we were last week, uh, speaking about the prophets, I want to talk to you about developing prophets in church who can prophesy and speak into the church. That's, that's one aspect. But I believe as a church matures, we need to have voices that can speak into our world, that can speak into uh, the places where we live, the places where we work, the the, the people all around us every day. Um, so there is a distinction between the, the office of a prophet, we'll look at that briefly, and also the ability to prophesy from time to time. The two are different. So I want to stir within you the call uh, of God to go after the supernatural. Um, words spoken over you. Who's ever had a prophecy? Give me a wave. Someone's had a word. There's a lot of people here today. So I want to stir those words over you. If you've ever had a prophecy... Today is about um, reigniting those words back in our hearts, reigniting, reminding ourselves. And as I preach, I hope that you can start thinking about words that have been spoken over you. Think about times where you've been impacted um, by somebody, perhaps a preacher, a prophet, or, or, or an encouraging leader in your life that has spoken something of the call and purpose of God that you maybe have just forgotten or thought, well, it was such a long time ago, maybe it's not going to happen. I want you to reignite that. So 1 Timothy 4 verse 14 says this, Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Do not neglect. That means do not put on the shelf, leave unattended, let go moldy, um, neglect or, or whatever else you want to use in that word space. But uh, it says don't leave aside what God has spoken, basically. Don't leave aside what God has spoken over your life. And it's, there's always a gap, a distance between when God speaks and when we fully understand it or fully receive it or fully live in it. And unfortunately, sometimes we receive great words and we think, wow, that was awesome and all my friends all heard that and yet we walk away and don't walk in the prophecy. Walk in the, the things. So I'm going to show you some things today that will help you perhaps to apply the word of God better and apply words of prophecy to make you a stronger and better person. So about prophets. I, I, I always don't like, I mean, every time I see a, a, a movie uh, like where it's based on the Bible, I'm always disappointed because I, I don't think that depicts the character what, you know, well enough or right. But I don't like the depiction of prophets as uh, you know, some sort of bearded crazy who lives uh, confrontational to every other ministries. 
that's sort of a concept some people have. It's like a, a, an out there kind of personality, a little bit different, a little bit sort of, you know, um, isolated out there in the wilderness. Um, you know, like, like John the Baptist, I guess, is, is a great example of it, who was like, you know, his description is uh, he, he's, he's wearing a camel, a camel hair coat and uh, he's eating locusts and wild honey. He's like, like he's, he's extreme. But uh, I don't really think that that is the, uh, the, the ultimate level of a prophet. I mean, he was a great man, a great prophet. His call was for that, but I don't think we should be aiming for that in the life of the church, and I'll explain that as we go. I see prophets as part of the mainstream ministry that every church needs. Um, balanced, so, so the, the prophet, I think, should be balanced, wise, working in cooperation with the other ministry gifts within the church. So uh, we, we're not looking for someone who, who says, well, you know, I, I'm somewhere disconnected and I just, I just march into town and do my ministry and then I march out again and don't have any um, interaction with anything else. So the prophetic person has the gift to perceive, uh, to perceive things spiritually, to perceive things in the supernatural, um, to, to, guard, uh, to guide in the right course, sometimes to guard against attack, uh, to, to bring... Uh, a level of wisdom and insight that can only come from a godly influence that, that otherwise we wouldn't know about and the, the gift of a prophet to a church can help steer the direction away from danger, uh, can bring advice um, and, and it's got to come from the Holy Spirit. So a word of prophecy launches the plans of God into the impossible. A word of prophecy launches the plans of God into the impossible. So in the Old Testament, there was a quirky relationship between the prophets and the kings of Israel. Um, as an example, 1 Kings 13 verse 4, it says this, when King Jeroboam heard the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel. Now, the man of God here is a prophet and this altar at Bethel wasn't an altar that God had set up. It was a, a false god, an idol altar and King Jeroboam was, was uh, away from God. And it, it says that uh, um, when, when this prophet began to speak against this idol worship, King Jeroboam, it says, he pointed at him and shouted, seize that man. But instantly the king's hand became paralyzed in that position and he couldn't pull it back. And, and because he didn't like what the prophet was speaking. And just before he said, seize that man, he was drinking his Chardonnay, his red wine. Now let's see, no one's gasping, because they know the difference between a Chardonnay and a red. I thought I'd see that, see who can tell. Yeah, there's not much, there's a lot of you know, good Pentecostals here, wouldn't know the difference. But his arm is stuck, seize that man. And then he's like, oh, hang on. Gets his, his lovely Chardonnay. And he's like, this isn't going to work. So he's like, hey, man of God, will you heal my hand? And it says that the man of God prayed. He prayed for him and, and his hand is restored. But there's, there's this quirky kind of relationship between these men of God called prophets and the kings. And the kings didn't welcome them. The kings didn't really like them. The kings didn't want them. 
or have them around. This is Now, we've got to understand the period we're talking about and the kingdom. So when we hear about the kingdom of Israel, we might think of King Saul and King David. That was the united kingdom of Israel. But we find out later on when King Solomon dies, you need to read your Bibles a lot. You'll know all the backgrounds. When King Solomon died and his son took over, the kingdom broke in half. So there was one kingdom called Judah, which the house of David continued to lead. And there was this rebel kingdom called the kingdom of Israel, who, who had no good kings, had no real desire to serve God. But they were the ones who set up these idol, this place like at Bethel, where they put up a, uh, uh, an altar that wasn't to sacrifice for God. So who's lost already? Who's helping, finding this helpful? So what, I was, what I'm talking about, this quirky relationship with the kings, is... Uh, when the king didn't want the prophet, he would say, arrest him, have him killed, take him away, put him in prison. We see over and over again in the Old Testament, in the, in the, the, the story of the kings of Israel, that they would imprison prophets, they would, they would throw them in dungeons, they would uh, have them killed, all sorts of things, because they just didn't really want them around. So when reading these stories, remember this. The Old Testament prophet was to bring God's word to kingdoms that had, com had compromised their call and had lost their relationship with God. That's what, the, that's what the prophet's purpose was in the Old Testament. So we see that in 2 Kings 17, 13. It says, again and again, the Lord had sent his prophets and seers. We heard about that last week. A seer was what they used to call a prophet, a seer. And uh, it was to warn both Israel and Judah. See, there's two kingdoms. Turn from all your evil ways. Obey my commands and decrees, the entire law that I commanded uh, your ancestors to obey, that I gave you through my servants, the prophets. So the role of the prophet in the church today is slightly different, is to clarify and encourage the word of the Lord in our lives. So the, word, the, the work of a prophet in the church today is to encourage and clarify the work of the word of God in our hearts, in our lives. So let's not be like the kings of Israel that reject the prophets because their hearts were turned away from God. And we might think, well, I would never reject the word of a prophet. I would never want to be like a king of Israel who would imprison and, and, uh, and work against the, the, the prophets of God. And so um, we, we need to be always testing the word of God and the the, the, the things that we're hearing in church, because I want our preaching in church to always be a prophetic message uh, from God. Our vision as a church is a prophetic message. Our mission as a church is a prophetic message. Our culture in the church is a prophetic message. I want everything that we do in the life of One Heart Church to be a prophetic spoken message to our hearts. So I'm going to give you some, some examples of, of, of uh, prophets from the Bible there's Joseph and Daniel. And uh, they're prophets that were, they were balanced, they were steady, and they were tuned into the conditions around them. I don't see in Joseph or Daniel's life who were really, really important prophets to, to, the, to the kingdom of God and to the work of God, even to today, of pointing people to Jesus. They, they had high-caliber high jobs. So they couldn't have been unbalanced people. So Joseph, he's a guy who got sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt. He had dreams that self-prophesied his future. He had dreams that self-prophesied what was going to happen to him. 
We're not going to go into all that this morning. But he also uh, prophetically interpreted, interpreted the coming drought in Egypt and what they should do. So he had this ability to, to be uh, aware of what was coming. And he could only know that through a revelation from God. Um, Daniel. We all know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Who's ever heard of that story? Even if you're not a Christian, you would have heard that story. Daniel, the same Daniel. He, um, he prophetically was able to interpret all types of dreams. Interpret people's dreams and say, well, this is what that dream means. And uh, Daniel chapter 1 verse 17, he rightly interpreted the prophecies over Judah's captivity. So jo- uh, Daniel is, a, is a, uh, a Judean and he's captive in Babylon. He's been taken away to Babylon. And um, it, 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 he speaks about the, the term of captivity that the, that, uh, the Israelites were going to be in captivity for, which was 70 years. Um, I think there's a scripture up there. Also, uh, another very important prophet that we have that we we know as the Son of God, which was Jesus, who all the prophecies about uh, the Old Testament all point to Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. And Jesus himself self-prophesied of the cross and he was also able to influence people, thousands of people, crowds of people will follow Jesus because there was something attractive about his message. Even though it was powerfully prophetic, people were attracted to it. And sometimes we have this opinion and some people have this misguided opinion. Well, I'm a prophet, therefore, you know, I'm going to be unliked. I'm a prophet, so I'm going to be a little bit quirky and people are going to misunderstand me. You know something? You need to balance the prophetic word with the call of God upon your life and and you'll find that people will accept that, but you've got to discover and develop the way in which you present that word. And I'm going to show you how all that fits in as we go this morning. But both Daniel and Joseph were great organizers. They were managers and they they held high offices um, Joseph in, in the government of Egypt had a high office. He was like the prime minister. And Daniel was in high office in the kingdom of Babylon. Now you might be thinking, well, what's all that got to do with anything? Um, Joseph in Egypt and Daniel in Babylon. And uh, later on, Jesus under the kingdom of Rome. But Egypt and Babylon represent ungodly government, corrupt evil, everything opposed to God at every level. This is the, the kind of uh, environment in which they lived. So there was no school of the prophets for, for Daniel and, and Joseph to go to. Last week, I spoke about the schools of the prophets, but there was no school of the prophets for these two guys. They were in the school of daily discipline of godly living in the midst of their ungodly surroundings. So if, you, if you're thinking, well, I wonder how I... I um, uh, sharpen or prepare myself for a prophetic life, then you start to live daily disciplines uh, according to God's word in your life that develop you even though you may be surrounded by an ungodly world. And I think that's where we all live. They were able to prophesy supernatural things while living in the most unholy of places. 
So, you know, don't go thinking, well, God can't really speak to me because I work on a fishing boat. God can't speak to me because I work in the building industry. God can't speak to me because I work in a, in a bank surrounded by ungodly people. Or I work in a, in a, in a university that's full of um, uh, all kinds of ideas. You know, you can't get more uh, entrapped as you see Joseph and Daniel in Babylon and Egypt when it comes to ungodly environments. So let's not be put off or talk ourselves out of what God wants to do in us because we're living in ungodly surroundings. I want to tell you, thank God that you have a church to belong to. You need to thank God every day that you have a church to belong to, that you have a church building to worship God in. Um, uh, thank God you live in a country that lets you worship how you want, when you want. You've got you to start uh, thanking God for things. Thank God you have a Bible and and that we have the Holy Spirit that can uh, enlighten the Word of God in our hearts. We need to have uh, one of the, the, the things that I think God starts to uh, manifest his, his prophetic through is people who have a thankfulness about life and, and understand the, the, the opportunities you have. If you can just own a Bible and read it every day, you have an amazing opportunity that, that many, many people around the world do not have. And would long to own a Bible, would long to have the opportunity. And the reason they don't have one is because you can't get them. The Bible is the most banned book in the world. Why? What would any government be scared of? Why would any, any principality or power be saying, you can't let the, the general public have their hands on this? You know, I think there's, there's, there's a reason. That's because there is supernatural power from heaven and Satan doesn't want you to know what this is about. So I want to tell you something. You have the opportunity. You have the, you have the time and the place. You have such great um, uh, you know, freedom in Christ living in this country. Don't waste or squander the opportunity that you have. Do not neglect that opportunity to do something great with your life because God wants to move through the church and he wants to move through the prophets in the church. So I want to give you some good medicine. So I just really want to encourage you, be, be, uh, um, be grateful to God that you have a church. Be grateful to God that you have a pastor. You know, there's, there's parts of the world, even parts of Australia today, where people gather together, but they have no pastor. They have no shepherd. They have no leader. Uh, there's places that come together as a church, and they have no worship team. They have no building of their own. I know what that's like. We, we, I've pioneered churches, not my, myself, but with other teams and pastors. And I know what it's like to set up scout halls and school halls and, uh, and, and RSL halls and all these things with the smell of a thousand drunks left behind. You know, um, and, and then scout halls, the smell of a thousand scouts lingering in the building. I don't know which is worse. But you know, you, you've got to, if you want to step into the purpose and call of God in whatever area of life, you've got to start with a spirit of gratefulness that says, God, I'm so thankful that I have the opportunities that you've given me today. Let's not squander, let's not, not, not uh, um, neglect the things that we can take hold of today. So I've gone a bit off, off track there. I want to give you some good medicine. Who likes good medicine? Because medicine makes you better. And we, I want to give you some good spiritual medicine, some good spiritual, uh, supernatural medicine that will help you grow in the prophetic mantle. That uh, it's, Maybe it's not for everybody here today, but for individuals, this may be a, a, a strategic day in your life where you can start to 
grasp hold of a prophetic mantle that God wants to put on people today. So the prophetic is an amazing gift to possess and an amazing gift to the church. Now this, I'm going to say this, don't, don't be offended by it, but like a machine gun in the hands of an infant, the gift of prophecy must be developed with safety of others in mind. So could you imagine if you've got a four-year-old and said, here, have, have this machine gun and it's fully loaded and you, you put their finger in the trigger just, as, just for some fun and, the, and you put them in the middle of a crowded room and let's see what happens. I think there's going to be a lot of danger. There's going to be a lot of damage. Um, not because the, the infant was, was bad or mean, but because they were given something that they should never have been given to handle because in the wrong hands it can be deadly. And so we need to realize that. And I, I guess I had to learn in my journey of, of managing the prophetic. I, I want to um, honor people like Keith Feebig. Pastor Keith Feebig was my, my pastor. And sometimes I'd think, sense a word in my heart and I'd say, I'd go to Keith in the service and say, Keith, I really think this or that. And he would just say, mm-mm. And you know what? I wouldn't go, he doesn't let me have a turn. God was speaking to me. He would just say, no, no, no. So I'd I'd have to submit the prophetic that I was feeling to him, and he would just say, no, no, no. What does that mean? Not now? Give me a turn 10 minutes from now? When the the worship dies down a bit, then you let me have a turn? Sometimes he would just say, no, no, no. Not at all, Rob. Other times he would say, yeah, okay, we'll we'll, we'll do that. And then he'd, he'd give me a nod and say, do it now. But you know, Within that, we need to realize that sometimes God puts a team together. He puts pastors together. He puts, he puts the prophets and the, and the teachers and the preachers and the apostles. He puts them all together to build a strong church. And we need to understand how they all do fit together. So there's three points that will help guide us into supernatural spiritual life. And I've, I've preached these before and I'm just adapting them to the the call of a prophet or to the gift of a prophet. They are the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and godly counsel. Now, I've preached this before in in another context, but I believe when we have these three elements working in our life, we'll grow supernaturally, we'll grow spiritually, and we'll become better and better and more effective in our ministry. So we need the Holy Spirit, we need the Word of God, and we need to submit ourselves to godly counsel. So... The Holy Spirit, um, not going down a whole track this morning of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and all those other giftings of the Holy Spirit. 2 Kings 3 verse 15. Now Elijah speaking here, he says, Now bring me someone who can play the harp. And while the harp was being played, the power of God or the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. Sorry, I said Elijah. It was Elisha. The prophet, so this is why we, we worship in church. So some people think, well, you know, that's just an added extra. I don't really turn up. I don't really care for the worship. You know, it's not about you. It's about the presence of God that is ushered in in worship. And it says here, so, so Elisha says, bring me, a, bring me someone who can play the, some music. Bring me someone who's anointed to, to, to minister in that way. And, and, and it says, suddenly... The power of the Lord came upon him. So the prophetic gets loosed when in the place of worship. When, when the prophets coming together in a, in, a place, in a house of worship where God is being lifted up and we're, we're giving our praises unto God, well, what that is is a, a place where, where all kinds of ministry gifts, gifts get released. 
and uh, mostly, mostly, and I think very importantly, the power of the prophet gets released in the house of worship. So we, we should not neglect the worship in the house of God. And as I said a bit earlier, there's so many people all around the world who, who you know, their, their version of church doesn't have one, one musician, not anybody. And I know churches even in our region that have gone their whole history, 10, 15 or 20 years, and they've never had one musician. We need to be, we need to be encouraged every time we come to church and say we, we get to worship God. We get to have a great time in the presence of the Lord every single time we come together and not, uh, not get um, uh, you know, complacent about that. But thank God for that. Encourage our musicians and worship leaders and find ways that you can encourage them. That's a really important thing. I think if we want to have the freedom of God in our life, learn to find ways to encourage one another in church, not find ways to discourage one another. So I want, to, I want to implore you today. I want to encourage you today. Make it a habit to find someone who served in church every single week and say, thank you so much for making me a coffee today. Thanks for serving and, and being on the welcome team today. Thanks for leading us in worship. I really enjoyed that. Thanks for whatever it is that someone is doing because that, that's not for them, it's for you. Because God will move through the encouragers. And, and I spoke last week about uh, how, how the prophetic starts to work in our life. But, you know, if you start to learn to have a, a habit of encouraging, then you'll be well positioned for God to supernaturally speak to you encouraging words that are direct from Him. So sometimes it just starts in the natural saying, thank you for the coffee, thank you for the car park, thank you for... for um, you know, whatever it is that someone has done, looking after the kids in kids' church, saying thank you in the natural can be a vehicle that then starts to, to be used by God to be a vehicle into the supernatural, where you start thinking, well, you know what, I just was, was so grateful about that, but now God, I think God's given me something from the Bible, the scripture verse that I just thought I'll share with Michael, or I just thought I'll share with, with Rose over there, or whatever it is that God gives you as for Anne as well. She's missing out. So the second thing, the Word of God. There's so many uh, scriptures in the Bible. If you're taking notes, Joshua um, 1 verses 8, 2 Timothy 3.15, uh, Psalm 119, um, Daniel 9 verse 2 says this. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the Word of the Lord. I, I mentioned this a bit earlier. As revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must be desolate for 70 years. So... Um, the word of God and the prophet is, is really, really important because Daniel gives us this illustration that uh, he's studying the word of the Lord and he's interpreting that accurately. So how would Daniel have ever known? Did God just speak to him automatically about, well, Jerusalem's going to be you know, held captive and desolate, no one's living there for 70 years? Daniel knew that because he was reading the prophets. He was reading the word of God to their uh, at that time what they had available to them and God was revealing his purpose prophetically to Daniel so he knows well Jerusalem must be laid desolate for 70 years no one's going to live there it's going to be abandoned because uh, it's been destroyed because they had forgotten who God was and they neglected the, the word of God in their life so I want to encourage you and I always say this to anyone who desires to do anything in the house of God is love your Bible, love to read it, love to, to get acquainted with it, and you'll find out what, what the will is, um, what God's will is for you, 
what God's will is for, for your purpose in the future, um, where you are right now. And uh, he'll navigate you through this life in a supernatural level when you acquaint yourself with the word of God. So it's just a, um, a fundamental. The third one was godly counsel. So Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, The word of the prophet um, came to Nehemiah. Oh, sorry, not Nehemiah. Naaman. Who's heard the story of Naaman? He was, a, he was a, an enemy of Israel. Uh, he was a, a, a commander of an army who was an enemy of Israel, the Aramean army. But the problem was the king, the king of Aram loved him um, and, and he, he was a military hero, had all the, all the um, what do you call those, um, medals. I was going to say badges, that would be a bit wrong. All the medals of, of victories on, on his chest of all these great things that he had accomplished with his military conquest. This is uh, um, uh, his, his life. But the problem was is he had leprosy. He had, he had a, a great reputation as a warrior, a great reputation as a commander of the army, he had great battles that he had won for the king of Aram. However, he had leprosy, which meant that he was uh, um, you know, disconnected from, from the freedom that he should have been living in. But somebody says, well, you should go to the prophet in, in Israel and... and and uh, get healed. So he goes to the prophet's house, and, and it, the, the story tells us that the prophet doesn't even come out of the door, doesn't even go and see him. He says, go and, go and wash yourself seven times in the river, and, and you'll be healed. And uh, uh, Naaman's like, well, that's, that's just, what? I could have done that at home. I could have just done that where I come from. I don't need to go here to have the prophet tell me to go and have a, have a dip in the river seven times. But... Uh, People said to him, godly counsel, said, well, if he told you to go and do something really difficult, would you do it? If he said to do something that was really, really complicated, would you do that? And uh, they, they changed his, his mind. They changed Naaman's mind by godly counsel. And I want to put it to you. How many blessings are left untouched? Because sometimes we, we, don't, uh, we don't allow ourselves to change our mind to sometimes simple things that God is asking us to do. Sometimes we're missing the whole point of what God wants in, in a circumstance or situation because we're not able to change our mind. Naaman changed his mind and got healed. And I want to I tell you today, sometimes you've got to step into the place of doing things differently, doing things according to the, the Word of God in your life rather than just what you think would seem good for you. So he changed his mind, and the thing that I love about the story is he went home healed. That's the, that's the main part, is, is he came as a leper, got the word of a prophet, did what he was told to do, and he went home healed. That's a good, that's a good outcome. That's a good uh, a way to finish the story there. So I'm just going to ask the, the, the music team to come back and join me here um, and, and begin to play. But counsel from the prophet there, the counsel that Naaman got from Elisha changed everything. And today, counsel from a prophet can change everything. And it launches the plans of God into the impossible in the church. So sometimes we, we, uh, we have to face things that seem impossible, that, that would be um, un unable to happen. That's what we call miracles. When things happen that are impossible to happen, 
That's called a miracle. And I believe that we've got you know, ground to take, things to do, people to reach, ministries to birth, all kinds of things that, are, that God is calling us to do, that we need that, that prophetic unction sometimes that will launch us into the plans of God that are otherwise impossible. So we totally need to grasp and understand the way God works. His kingdom is through the ministries in the church. And, and that's what I, I really want to lay the foundation of the prophetic works through the ministries in the church. They're all connected in the gifts of the, uh, the spiritual gifts that are, that are mentioned in, in Ephesians 4 and Romans 12. We see that there's ministry gifts that God gave the church. They're not to work in isolation. They're not, they're not the hairy prophet who comes down from the mountainside once in a while to, to, to prophesy doom and gloom and then to go back to his cave again. That's not, the, that's not the, the, the agenda of the modern prophet. It's to fit in and work in with the other ministry gifts to strengthen one another, to strengthen one another and to build the church. So when we talk of the kingdom of God, we're talking about the church. I believe the kingdom of God on earth is the church. So we can't sort of say, well, the kingdom of God looks like this. The kingdom of God works through the church and it is the church on earth. So the kingdom of God works on love. That's the most important thing. That's the first thing. It, it works on care for one another. It works on order. It works in structure. It works with leadership. It works with teamwork because they're all God's idea for living our best life. And sometimes we're, we're, we're disconnecting from the, the, the prophetic in our life because we're not operating with all those other gifts in their rightful place. So we want to care for one another. We want to love one another. We want to have order. We want to have structure. We want to have leadership and teamwork because they're God's idea for living our best life. So let's get that, let's let those fundamentals sink, sink into, our, into our daily living and we'll find ourselves becoming more and more uh, able for God to move through us. So starting from the point of being able to give a prophetic uh, encouragement to someone, that's our start point. To becoming a prophet takes a lot of development, a lot of training, a lot of learning, you know, where God's taking us. And I believe there's people here within the church that, that perhaps you're just at that level of saying, well, maybe God's stirring something. And I, I do sometimes understand and see things that I otherwise just couldn't know. Well, God might be stirring a prophetic gift within your life. That doesn't automatically mean you'll have the office of a prophet, but it means that God could be developing something in you that is really important that other Christians and the church needs you to have. So the plan is grow in the ministry. Grow in the ministry in the church and we all become stronger together. We all become stronger together. So the place for the prophets is, I'll start where, I'll go back to where I started. 1 Timothy 4.14 Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. You know, we do something in commissioning someone into the ministry. If we are putting someone in a position of leadership or, or taking on a church department, we'll have a commissioning time and it's normal to give the prophecy over someone entering into the ministry. It's what we do here in this church all the time. 
And it's, it's not about what they've done before or where they've come from. It's about 